You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to welcome to our show Rabbi Stanley Davids and Rabbi John Rosoff, co-editors and contributors to Deepening the Dialogue, Jewish Americans and Israelis envisioning the Jewish democratic state. Uh, Rabbi Stan and Rabbi John, welcome. Welcome to our show this evening. Thank you. Thank you. So um, why don't we start with explaining to our members the core differences between American Reform Judaism and Israeli Progressive Judaism. For example, what are the differences in liturgy? How do they organize themselves differently? Are they engaged in a different form of social activism? So let's let's start with there. Maybe Rabbi John, do you want to, to start us off? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, you know, we're all part of one movement, the Israel Movement for Reform and Progressive Judaism and the Union for Reform Judaism in North America. Uh, we're all liberal on the spectrum of religious practice and with our concern for social justice and Jewish identity and Jewish peoplehood. Uh, the differences uh, really come about in terms of our respective roles in our respective societies. In Israel, Jews are the dominant population. In the United States and Canada, Canada, I don't know the exact percentages, but in the United States, we're 2%. So our identity here really has to be established through family, through synagogue, through larger connections. And that informs how we think about ourselves and how we approach different issues in the larger dominant culture. In Israel, uh, the Jewish identity is part of the Hebrew culture. One doesn't have to be religious to feel Jewish and to celebrate holidays. Uh, but for the Israeli progressive movement, they are reform in the same sense that we are in terms of authority of tradition, authority of God, uh, and uh, our commitment to social justice. The commitment to social justice in the reform movement in Israel is dramatic. We are among the cutting edge uh, actors in uh, all kinds of issues on poverty, on asylum, on, um, on the Palestinian-Israeli issue, uh, on two states for two peoples, uh, on justice for people, uh, for immigrants, new immigrants, and across the board. Uh, that is the case here in the United States as well. The reform movement is on the cutting edge and has been uh, since our establishment of social justice issues that have come down the pike through the last 150 years. Thank you. Rabbi Stan, do you want to add any thoughts of similarities and differences between um, American Reform Judaism and Israeli Reform Judaism? Sure. You know, you can focus this way. First of all, Israel lives by the Jewish liturgical calendar. You always know when it's the Sabbath, Shabbat. You know. You know when it's Yom Kippur because there isn't a single car on the road, not by government edict. It's just what happens. In the United States, the Jewish community has to invest energy in living a full Jewish life. 
in Israel, it's as easy as taking a breath at the morning when you when you wake up. Next, uh, Israel has a chief rabbinate. Is the Israel reform movement, for example, the progressive movement, battles not as, as we do in the United States. The issues of you know, uh, I don't want to call it Jewish ignorance, but sometimes Jews don't know enough, but we try to teach more and so forth. But in Israel, we battle an establishment which we believe to be undemocratic and represents a real threat to liberal democratic voices. One of the things that unites American Jewry and Israeli Jewry is precisely that kind of a problem. The United States in general was founded on the battle for individual rights. I'm talking the United States from the beginning, okay? Individual rights, the most important thing. Israel was founded on collective responsibility. That is a totally different mindset. So the role of government, the role of individuals, the role of protest movements, the role of NGOs, all of those things uh, are really quite different. And the response of, for example, hey, you belong to a synagogue. Great, in the United States, that's where you go. When, when I was living in Israel, my biggest problem Saturday morning was which one of the 25 synagogues nearest me I was going to go to. That's not an American Jewish problem. Last, in the United States, with all of its freedoms, Jews are still an other, one of the others in American life. In Israel, Jews certainly are not. But liberal Jews certainly are. I, I found this, this is a wonderful summary of this. Thank you so much, both of you. Hearing one of the things you say brought to my mind the idea that social justice in the American Jewish community tends to often be focused at the state. Some of the things that Rabbi John was talking about, even here in this country, about, um, uh, about poverty and um, and refugees and so on. But that's different when in Israel, that's an established Jewish or, or a halachic, a, a legal um, Jewish um, authority state. I wonder if, if either of you could perhaps speak to the difference of what it means to be a Jew in America fighting almost a secular state to make it more just as opposed to being a Jew in Israel fighting a state to say, here, you need to be more just because you're Jewish. I wonder if either of you could speak to that. Well, I'll start. Uh, the, the Israeli Declaration of Independence and the American Declaration of Independence, both are great uh, literary documents as well as documents emphasizing the rights of the people of the land. Uh, in Israel, the Declaration of Independence is the basis on which our book was uh, established, uh, utilizing uh, and, and inviting Israelis and American Jews to look at similar issues from their respective uh, perspectives. Uh, so uh, the Declaration of Independence in both places really does emphasize human rights, uh, and our battle here and in Israel, both similar, 
is to address those issues of injustice uh, on the societal level that have not yet been addressed. Israel is a complex place, just as the United States is a complex place. And a lot of people who don't know Israeli society accuse it of all kinds of things based on what they're reading in the headlines or based on one perspective that may get through their bubble uh, of commentary uh, through whatever movement. And it's similar now in the United States, uh, depending upon which cable show you're watching as to how you're even looking at, at uh, American democracy. So those things are very popular. What I can say about Israel, uh, at least within the green line, and that means in the, uh, the state of Israel before the 1967 war, uh, that Israel, the original boundaries of Israel, it is a democratic state, it is complex, it is exciting, it is filled with learning and innovation, um, technology and agriculture and uh, in every discipline. There is freedom to do anything and everything. That's not saying that Arab Israeli citizens have equal rights to, uh, are treated equally, I should say, they have equal rights. I mean, there are Israelis in the, Israelis, uh, Arab citizens in the uh, Knesset in the Israeli parliament, uh, and there are Israeli Supreme, uh, Arab Supreme Court judges. So it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of uh, uh, dynamic. The West Bank, East Jerusalem, and Gaza are different situations altogether. And from my perspective, and I think from Rabbi Stan and from the reform movement, the only solution is a two-state solution that enables Palestinians to have justice and their national sovereignty and enables Israel to really fulfill its, its commitments through its own declaration of independence for a democratic pluralistic state. Thank you. Rabbi, Please, one, of, one of the things that I find extraordinary and exciting about Israel is the severe challenge that comes with the word sovereignty. For, for Jews over the last 2000 years, we have lived very often as unwelcome guests throughout the world. And though our philosophers, our teachers taught beautiful, ethical and moral exalted teachings, we were powerless to create an entity within which those teachings would live and take root and flourish. Now, Israel is a sovereign Jewish state. And though it may seem since 1948, a long time for a lot of people, one of the things that's going on is a learning process. After 2000 years, we gotta stop talking the talk, we have to walk the walk and people just assume, boy, that's automatic. No, it's learned. It's learned. Just like, forgive, the United States required a civil war before it could fully begin to absorb what happened in 1776. If people would only hold on to that for a little bit, Israel is doing a great job with issues of social justice and a miserable job in certain areas. Let's put it out there. But it is growing and growing in a direction in which it is mastering walking the walk. For people to say, unless you walk the walk today, 
you are less than good is disingenuous. I find yeah. this fascinating. This is wonderful because the two of you are sharing a nuance uh, um, that, that we don't often hear. Um, you know, the, the idea that we can have, we can talk as much as we like about what it means to be Jewish, but but when you're when you're returning to a land for the first time in thousands of years, how do you put that into action in modern day society, in modern economics, with modern issues that maybe certain perspectives that we've thought about, that certain ideals worked well on paper, but in reality, when you have to have a Supreme Court, when you have different people of, uh, of different backgrounds, when you have some people in the land, when you have a question about borders and boundaries, suddenly it all becomes much more difficult. And, and when Rabbi John, when you were talking about the, you know, within the pre-67 borders, it's one thing and outside it's another thing, and we may not hear that and, and tend to, to bring it all together. What you're doing, both of you here, I think, which is really essential for me, is reminding me of the, of the complexity and the nuance. And we often avoid complexity and nuance today because it just makes it much simpler. This is a good state. This is a bad state. This is, you've done well, you haven't done well. But, but what you've both shared is, is a bit of both. Right. You know, there are, uh, 40 percent of the American Jewish community has been to Israel once. And among that 40 percent, perhaps half of them are Orthodox and it's part of their education to learn in Israel. So 20 percent, say, of the non-Orthodox American Jewish community has visited Israel. And it's very difficult to us to understand Israel without being there. When I, I'm now retired, but uh, the congregation I served in Los Angeles for 30 years and 10 years before that in Washington, D.C. and San Francisco, uh, my, my mission was to get as many people with me to go to Israel and to meet Israelis and Palestinians, people on the left, middle, and right, Orthodox, conservative, which is different in the United States, reform, secular, journalists, uh, of every dimension as possible. And my, my goal was to introduce that. And if they all came away confused, I felt as though I succeeded. Anyone judging Israeli behavior from here without understanding what it's like there is being unfair not only to Israelis and to themselves, because we're all very complex. Israel itself is a very complex society. The Palestinian society is a very complex society. And I think in order for uh, Israelis and Palestinians, American Jews and Americans generally, and Israelis to really understand each other, we have to know each other. Martin Luther King said it. We, we, don't, we don't trust each other because we don't know each other. And when you come to know somebody, you can put yourself in their shoes, empathize and understand their life conditions, and therefore you know, help to make policy that actually assists in moving forward the society. That's a perfect place. And I would to say, oh, go, Rabbi Stan, go on. Oh, I'm sorry. The the book Deepening the Dialogue, which by the way is a really good book. Yes, it um, is. Yeah, I just thought I'd mention that. The the book is based upon an analysis of the Israeli Declaration of Independence, but here is key: a partnership analysis. 
everything I believe that has been done in terms of American and American Jewish uh, analysis of Israel is really in the form of a critique. You guys don't understand democracy the way we do, and we are going to fix it by correcting you. The book says no. The radical nature of the book is that it was written half by Israelis, half by Americans. The Israelis include a Muslim Arab Israeli, Israelis, and the book allows partnership. The goal is not critique, and this is my appeal to the American community, not just the American Jewish community. Partnership between Israelis and Americans, not to deal with what do we think about China's actions in the China Sea, right? Fine. What about poverty? What about women's rights? What about children's education? Americans partnering with Israelis. I think we've come to the time when we have rejected trickle-down economics in this country, and we have to get rid of trickle-down critiques for Israel and start people building relationships with equality and in partnership. Can I add one thing to that? We have to take a pause first. I'm loving this conversation. I'm loving the fact that, and I'm very challenged by the fact that dialogue and partnership is in fact the radical mode of today, as opposed to blanket critique. But I think that's a really important thing. We have to take a pause and we're going to come back and we're going to explore this a little bit more, particularly mentioning the book. So we're, you're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. My guests this evening, Rabbi Stan Davids and Rabbi John Rosoff, uh, co-editors and contributors to Deepening the Dialogue, Jewish Americans and Israelis Envisioning the Jewish Democratic State. And we'll be back in just a moment. You're back listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil from Temple Beth Shalom and the uh, Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. My guests this evening, Rabbi Stan Davids and Rabbi John Rossoff, um, co-editors of Deepening the Dialogue, Jewish Americans and Israelis Envisioning the Jewish Democratic State. And we're having a wonderful discussion about what it means to critique from afar and to be involved in American uh, and in Israeli society. Rabbi John wanted to say something before the break. So I'm gonna turn back over to him before I ask another question. Sure, that, just quickly, the book that uh, Rabbi Stan was describing is unique in a lot of ways. But one way is that it is in both English and Hebrew. The Israelis wrote their articles in Hebrew, the Americans wrote their articles in English, and they were both translated back and forth. I don't know, and Stan, you may know of another, or Rabbi Neil, you may know of another uh, occasion where this, this is unique. This has not happened before. So the book is for sale both in the United States and Canada, in English-speaking countries, and in Israel, so that everyone that's, can partake in this partnership. That's the partnership issue. How about all those wonderful books written about Israel with all the critiques all in, in English? And what does that do to an Israeli population? They may be able to speak English, many, most do, but reading, analytics, not at all. And they're not likely to pick up, many of them not likely to pick up an English book, okay? 
we have created a setting which physically demonstrates, folks, it's time to put an end to standoff lobbing of artillery shells. It's time to do basic work in community building, in social justice. As a matter of fact, Rabbi Neil, if, if there is a motto for the book, it's social justice Zionism. That's really what the book wants to do. It says one form of Zionism, great, we built the Jewish state. One form of Zionism, we protected against horrible assaults for a number of years. And now the luxury of a new form of Zionism, now we have to build the state we really were dreaming about from the beginning. And we're not there, but we can do it. So this, I, I, again, what you're saying is really powerful and really important. And, and for you, maybe this is normative because this is exactly the kind of thing that, that you've been expressing in this book and helping to, to bring other people's voices to, to say in, in this book. But when people in this country critique Israel, who is that critique actually for? And that's what comes to my mind, hearing, hearing what you're saying. Is it really that bubble, that self-reinforcing, I'm, I'm a good person because I believe that this group of people are doing wrong or this group of people are doing wrong, but there is no actual effort to, to bring about partnership, to bring about change through partnership. It's only that sort of lobbying, let's create a mass of people who will then be so appalled that they might not shop, they might not buy things from you or, or so on. Even though the reality is that governments trade in very different ways to, to just how people discuss. I think for me, just hearing what you're saying just helps me think of when we talk about Israel, when we talk about Israel and the Palestinians or Israel-Palestine, when we talk about these things, why are we having this conversation? Are we really making change? Because the most profound change is not the change that comes from that pressure from outside, but being able to change people's minds from within, being able to say, have you reflected? And, and, and let me learn from you why it is you do the things that you do so that I can actually realize, oh, well, maybe that's not such a valid critique anymore. So I'm, I'm very touched by, by what you're sharing here. But I, I had, a, I mean, I have so many questions for you. I, I think a, a couple of times, Rabbi Stan, you've been talking about the changing vision, you know, or, or, or trying to match up to the original vision. I guess my a question that comes from that is, have you seen larger social attitudes change towards Israel in the last few decades? Have you seen attitudes within Israel change, but also outside Israel? Have you seen, what, have, what do you think have been responsible for these changes? Because when you mentioned, you know, setting up the state 70 years ago, just 70 plus years ago, people were in a very different place back then. So what, what changes do you see from how people view Israel from outside Israel and how people inside Israel view Israel from over the last, I don't know, a, you know, a few decades, I guess. That, that's really complicated. John, why don't you lead off and then I'll follow. Go ahead. Yeah, well, well, I think uh, this is, uh, I've just finished translating a biography of my great-granduncle, Avraham Shapira of Perak Tikva, who's one of the founders 
of Panoptikva in the early 1880s. Uh, and the, the challenges that they faced in a very hostile environment, he spoke better Arabic than he did Hebrew. Uh, he was close to Chaim Weizmann, the uh, first president of the state of Israel. I met him as a child in 1956 when he came to the United States. Remember him clearly. He was a great figure. Uh, he was the first shomer, the first policeman of uh, that was born in. He was born in Lithuania, but he was a child when he he grew up into the shomrim, the, the guards, and the kinds of challenges they faced in creating the institutions of a state while maintaining respect for the Arabs uh, with whom he uh, lived. Uh, that was one thing. Uh, my first exposure in Israel itself was in the early 70s uh, when I first traveled there and lived there for a year. Uh, and the Israel of today is very different from the Israel of 50, uh, 60 years ago, which uh, it's a wealthier state. It's uh, technologically advanced, it's very modern, it's culturally enriched by all the different peoples that have come there. The problems that uh, Americans and others have with Israel is not so much, I think, with Israel itself, but with policies of the government that tend to be increasingly more right-wing and rigid and tribalistic and national in the negative sense of nationhood uh, and uh, infused with the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. That's what people get so upset about. But if you, again, as I said earlier, if you live there, and as, as Rabbi Stan knows, because he lived there a number of years, uh, there's so much vitality there. So I've just, I've seen the clock because we have so little time left. Rabbi Stan, can you just share in like a minute, a minute and a half, um, are you able to share, I know, we're going to have to have you back in the show. Um, are you able to share anything else that you see? Uh, I mean, Rabbi John shared a lot about changing attitudes to Israel. What, what are your thoughts very quickly? The real problem is that Rabbi John and I pretty much agree on everything. I'm sorry, I apologize for that and it may ruin your show, so <laughs> be it. Uh, if you would look at the population of Israel that started off in 1948 with 600,000 people, and now there are over 9 million. Just think about what it means. And those people came from where? Basically, from everywhere. They came from Ethiopia. They came from Russia. They came from the United States. Do everywhere. Africa, throughout. What is the color of an Israeli? The answer to that is yes. Uh, it, it, yes. Yeah, I met B'nai Menashe, who came out of the woods of North India, brown-skinned Indian, if you will, Jews. All of these people, these forces have to be integrated. Will Israel make mistakes in the process? You bet. But is the goal clear and articulated? Absolutely. And the last thing I mentioned, Rabbi, although I go on forever, is that American Jewry desperately needs Israel to succeed as a pluralistic democracy. All of those people who want Israel to be a pluralistic democracy have friends in the American Jewish community. And Israel desperately needs American community support, partnership. Thank you. 
you two have been absolutely wonderful. I really hope that we can have you back on the show to continue talking about this book and the really important work that you're doing. I, I genuinely do. I hope that we can have you back soon. Rabbi Neil, thank you for having us. It's been an honor. And it's always fun to talk with my dear friend, Rabbi Stanley Davids. Uh, he's, he has been a leader in our movement and uh, I'm grateful to him as my friend and as my mentor in many respects. So thank so you. I have to say nice by John too. I have to, I have to. And John, you know the words. I mean it. I love you. Okay, Neil. Rabbi Stan Davids, Rabbi John Rossoff, co-editors and contributors to Deepening the Dialogue, Jewish Americans and Israelis Envisioning the Jewish Democratic State. Thank you both for being here this evening. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks time, keep listening.